With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to Unsuckable. I'm your host, Manuel Fede, and I'm joined, as almost always, by Adrian Sosa. Adrian, how's it going, buddy? I am going great. Um, I don't have a huge Benfica update for today, but they are playing Porto today, which is actually a huge match. So oh. we'll get to see Eustachio in there. We'll get to see what this Benfica team is made of because we consistently lose to Porto, even if they're in poor form. So <laughs> we'll see what Schmidt can cook up. But yeah, things are good. Still undefeated, forward. right? Still undefeated. Yeah, had a bit of a struggle last weekend against a uh, sec, I believe, second division side in the cup. But uh, you know, rotated squads. It's mm. the cup. Anything can happen, kind of thing. And we still got there in the end. Unlike Sporting, who were uh, torching us for not making it through, and then they got eliminated by Varzim, I believe it was. So unfortunate for Sporting, but yeah, I'm good. Things are good. It's been a hectic week for. Everyone in Manchester, that's for sure. But uh, we'll get <laughs> yeah. to that later uh, yeah. because we've got to say hi to Josh first, right? We have to go say hi, hi to Josh. Josh, how's it going, buddy? It's good. And and yeah, speaking of Porto, my parents are coming back with a Eustachio jersey for myself. So, you know. You hope. We're, we're hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping. With my fingers hope. crossed. If they let me Rumors, down. Rumors, not confirmed yet. Sources yeah, no, say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Heavy, heavily linked, though. Heavily linked to me getting a Eustachio jersey, which I'm thrilled about because Porto always have excellent kits. And uh, yeah, so... Sorry, Adrian, I already apologized before the podcast, but I am very much looking forward to hopefully getting that jersey. But other than that, very good and excited to uh, get on with the pod today. Yeah, and uh, we should probably start with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, silence right after. <laughs> because it's such a mess, Adrian. Um, oh, before we start with Cristiano Ronaldo, we should also talk about someone who isn't here, and that's uh, Filippo. We don't actually know why he's not here, but... It probably has nothing to do with him getting another bet wrong on Twitter. What do you guys think? Potentially. I mean, uh, we don't know. Again, sources are pretty quiet on this one as to his whereabouts, but uh, hopefully we'll find out soon. Hopefully he jinxed we'll the galaxy soon. and now he's uh, not here. Put one and one together. He gets three. Anyways, Cristiano Ronaldo, Adrian. Yes. Uh, I mean, where do we start with this guy? We've spoken about him and sort of his, this his, his, his place in this. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough because it seems like there's so many Ronaldo defenders out there that they want to see him play. And they think that his poor yeah. form is just due to him not playing. But he has been given opportunities. So Eric Ten Hag, he owes nothing to Cristiano Ronaldo, unfortunately. As much as Cristiano Ronaldo will see himself as, you know, bigger than perhaps the club and perhaps who gives Eric Ten Hag the right to tell him that he can't play, that kind of thing. Ultimately, Ten Hag has to do what he thinks is best for Manchester United. And so far, he seems to be getting it right. I don't know if you guys saw that match against Tottenham, but that was one of the first times in a long time where I've seen Manchester United be so dominant against a fellow you know top six side in the Premier League that was one of their best performances and I mean if if Hugo Lloris wasn't standing on his head they would have destroyed them maybe three four nil something like that Um, and of course Ronaldo stole the headlines by leaving in the 89th minute we thought initially he didn't stick around because he was told that he wouldn't be going on to the pitch But it turns out Eric Ten Hag has confirmed that Ronaldo was asked to go on late, but he refused to go on. He leaves the pitch in the 89th minute. He leaves the stadium apparently before the match was even done, which is pretty quick work. That's, I mean, he, he hustled to the dressing room, grabbed his keys and left before the whistle was blown in, what, the 95th minute or something like that? So he made mm. quick work of that. Um, I mean, Manuel, it's... 
it unfortunately feels like all of those teams who passed on him this past summer because of things like this, because of his demands to always start, always be the, you know, the top paid player, be the player who's first on the team sheet, etc. It seems like he's kind of proving all of those teams right in, in not wanting to bring him in, isn't he? Yeah, no, absolutely he is. I mean, um, I saw my gegenpressing cohort Stefan Bianchowski tweet out the um, retweet one of the Eric Ten Hag quotes and saying this is ex- this, ladies and gentlemen, is why Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich didn't want to have him. Um, and I think that's pretty much accurate. I think he, everyone was everyone was pretty much aware of who you're gonna get right if you sign him and. The, the advanced stats, the underlying numbers for him weren't really good either, Adrian. That was another thing I think that a lot of clubs were really worried about, right? If you look at the the underlying numbers in Man United last year, is that yes, he did score goals, but um, he's actually made his teammates worse around him. And I think that's another reason why a lot of clubs kind of shied away with from signing him and also why... That also, also, I think, underlined a little bit of what he was all about, right? It's um, his, him playing means that he has to be the one scoring the goals, scoring the penalties, doing the free kicks and all that, even though maybe the numbers suggest that he's not actually very good at that. And um, he's not willing to share. And I think that that made him not very much a desired target. I mean, Josh, remember the the rumors that he was linked to Borussia Dortmund. Um, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. Maybe he would have turned out better than Modeste, but I think we would have probably have many of the same situations than we have at Man United now, right? Yeah. So, I just think at his age, and, and like Adrian can speak to this, obviously, it's well with, with Portugal, but it, ever since leaving Madrid, it just seems like, and even at Madrid, obviously, I mean, look at what yeah. Benzema has done after, after Ronaldo left. When he went to Juventus, it was all about him, and that Juventus team got drastically worse over the years. He then went to United, and yes, like you said, scored goals, but the, the team around him looked dreadful. And then this season, when Eric Ten Hag and the way that he plays, everyone could have assumed that Ronaldo doesn't fit the system. And if you're a new manager coming into one of the most pressured jobs in the world, you, you're there to win. Like you said, he doesn't owe Ronaldo anything. And in my mm-hmm. opinion, that starting 11 is exactly what I would have pictured. Like he dropped Christian Eriksen, which I think was just as important as dropping Ronaldo in terms of just getting personnel on the pitch that works together, like having two proper CDMs, have your attackers, have a striker that will run, that will give everything they can kind of for the team just to help balance out and play the system Ten Hag wants. Ronaldo's not going to do any of that stuff. And at the age of 37, he's not really able to do any of that stuff. So it's why one of the most, one of the best players in the world struggled so hard trying to find a club and he ended up staying put. And now it's, it's just ugly and it, it's sad, but the, doesn't matter how good of a player you are. You you can't do that. You can't walk off the pitch early, leave the which I didn't even know until you guys just told me that he left the stadium. Yeah. It's just awful, awful look. And I don't know what's going to happen. I hope his tra- his contract just gets terminated, and he can hopefully just you know go somewhere to play and just not be a nuisance to United. I don't think his contract is going to get well. We don't know. We have various sources reporting various things. Uh, Florian Plettenberg is the latest. Um, works for Sky. I know Flo. I know he's a very reliable source, and he's he said that he, you know, essentially when you read through his English, um, that his contract is not going to get terminated. Um, I think at the end of the day, what that really means is that. His contract isn't going to get terminated, but I think if someone comes in in January and says, we'll take Ronaldo off you for, I don't know, give me a number, a couple bags of chips and a friendly somewhere. Adrian, help me out here. I, I mean, <laughs> he went to United when he went to United, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you might have his transfer marked page I ahead do. of you. I think it was 15 million, somewhere in that region. Um, but now I think that it's gotten to a point where it's sort of an untenable situation between Ronaldo and the rest of the group, because think of how the rest of the group, 17 million, 17 million. Yeah, there you go. Which is already like a, a massive, massive drop because Mm -hmm. you have to look at the facts that his age and his lack of mobility and what he will demand of a team. That's why it wasn't really a appetizing sort of proposal this past summer. But in United's point of view, they weren't sure what was going to happen with Anthony Martial. They weren't sure what was going to happen with Marcus Rashford and what kind of form they would be in. And so they wanted to keep Ronaldo around 
just in case. And hey, maybe they could make it work. Maybe Ronaldo would be okay with this sort of role and he could become this leader off of the pitch for the younger players, etc. But he hasn't really done that. You know, that's something that player or sorry, people say often is that, you know, Ronaldo's done so much for the club, but Ronaldo's done a lot for Ronaldo, basically. And he's showing that right now, because let's compare it to someone who, you know, Josh actually brought up previously, like a Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for example, a yeah. guy who also is a huge, huge, huge personality. I know that, you know, Manuel and I, we kind of suspect that his ego and his personality is a bit of a persona, a bit of a character that he's playing. I think it's fake. I, I think it is as well. I think that is to sort of amp up his persona and make him seem like this larger than life character. And he's done well in doing so. But it's a this bandwagon strategy, right? Yeah, like it, exactly. It's, it's like trying to put like um, a fortress around his personal life. Because he's been married to this the same woman his entire life, pretty much his entire adult life. And he has children and all that. We don't see any or hear or see any of that in, in public because it's all about Zlatan. Yeah, I think I think it's a wall to protect his family. I think so too. It's it's a similar tactic that you see some managers do, like Mourinho in the past, like prime yeah. Mourinho back in the day, how he used to do that. And so you have this huge personality of Zlatan Ibrahimovic who goes to AC Milan, who has accepted this new role that he won't be on the pitch. I mean, he's had a lot of injuries as well. That's another mm -hmm. big thing. But he's accepted this role where he's become a mentor to players like Rafael Leon. Like Zlatan has spoken at length about how he's trying to get through to Rafael Leon to give him tips all the time so he can grow as a player. Yeah. And that's really really endeared Zlatan Ibrahimovic, not just to the squad, but to the fans of AC Milan. Now picture if Ronaldo had done that, that would prove that he's there for the right reasons. If he would take that kind of role on and he would be that mentor for the players on and off the pitch and lead by example, not this example that he just showed recently, then he would endear himself to the club even further and prove that he's there for the right reasons. But He's just made it more clear that it's Ronaldo above everything else right now. And you can't really have a guy like that in the squad. It just causes havoc, really. Yeah, you know, it, it does. Now, the question then, what are we, what's going to happen to Ronaldo in January, boys? This is pure speculation podcast now on soccer ball. <laughs> you can fantasy him to any team in the world. What's going to happen to Cristiano Ronaldo? Um, I'll I'll start. I'll say, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo's family is very, very vocal, aren't they? I mean, you have his sisters mm -hmm. going on social media all the time and you have his mom speaking to the media all the time. Um, his mother a little less problematic than the sisters, perhaps. <laughs> but what his mother has been consistent with is how she wants him to go back to sporting. And she has said multiple times that he has promised her that he will return to sporting eventually. And I think that... A move to any other sort of league wouldn't really, or any sort of other step down wouldn't really, like I can't see him going to, you know, play in the Middle East, like a, to a Saudi Arabia or anything like that at the moment. I think he still sees himself as a European caliber player, obviously. I mean, his mm -hmm. actions have sort of just sort of shown that he thinks that he still should be playing in Champions League, etc. So I think that him going to sporting could happen. Maybe not this January, but I think maybe next summer or something like that. That would be my guess. Yeah, what do you think, Adrian? Uh, Josh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think like when you look at moving to the Middle East, it's it's simply about the money. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's it's money. So I would rule out that. But if he's looking, like if he's looking to make a payday, that's that's where you go. Mm. Uh, I, I can't really see any of the other top five leagues really being a hit. I'd assume, and I would like to see him go to. To sporting, you know, take a pay cut, go home. You're 37, you're done with your last World Cup. Uh, but I don't want to rule out Major League Soccer as well. Uh, I think there's a different, like I said, when you look at going to the Middle East, you know it's about money. Yes, you're, he's probably going to make a good chunk of change going to Major League Soccer. But like we just yeah. mentioned, Zlatan's done it. Like like some big, big players have gone there before. So I don't think, if again, looking at his ego, in my eyes, it's not like it's it's almost like an expected step instead of he would, if he wouldn't go to like the middle East, it's about money. He'll get money. He'll go somewhere beautiful. I don't know how he would, it would ex exactly work, but I don't want to rule out that one. I think there's, that's always a possibility. And then, yeah. yeah. But I mean, if I'm hoping for something, I just, you know, go to sporting just and cut your losses with United. You're still playing probably champions league, however long, and then you get your fairy tale ending, I guess. Do you though? Like, that's my worry. Would you get a fairy tale ending? What if it just goes as wrong as it did with the previous clubs? I mean, it's 
it, it's fair. I just think at Ronaldo's, I think sporting, I, like we, we talked about players like at United right now who aren't probably happy with Ronaldo. They're not happy with the way he's acting. They're, they don't really want to play for him. He makes his teammates worse. Mm. Maybe I'm looking at it wrong, but I think going to sporting where he had all started at the end, if he's willing to take that pay cut to make that sacrifice to go there, they play in this 3-4-3 system. He could be at the, the lone striker. I think that the players around him would love his presence there. I can't speak for them, but I, I would assume they would love his per, his presence there and they would maybe play for him. So he can go back home, fit right in, and then pl- play with his career at his hometown club for maybe a year and a half or so. But I mean, I can't speak for that, but that's just kind of what I'm picturing in, in my mind as opposed to going to one of the biggest clubs in the world where you know the manager doesn't want to risk it. I don't care if you're Cristiano Ronaldo, mm. you're not helping my team. The players know it, I know it, you're out. So that's just, I guess, my, my thought process around it. What's your final thoughts on that, Adrian? Well, in going back to sporting, I think if you wanted to go anywhere where you have the most allies, it would be going back to Portugal. Now, of course, there are yeah. those who don't uh, want to see him playing for the national team as well. Of course, there's some that can see past his, what Ronaldo was. This idea of what Ronaldo was is not who Ronaldo is in the present, right? Mm. So there are some who think that. But I think that going back to sporting, here's a perfect example for you. Before he moved to Juventus, I think it was, or when he was at Juventus still, Sporting was playing around with the idea of changing the name of their stadium to the Cristiano Ronaldo Stadium, basically. For a guy that was went through their academy and I think only played maybe a season and a bit in their senior side. Mm-hmm. So that just goes to show that the Ronaldo hysteria is still alive and well. And if he was to find anywhere that would likely cater to what he wants and his demands that he makes, and he could sort of build the team in his vision, sort of like a sort of like a what you they suspect is going on with Mbappe at PSG, it would be at sporting, I would assume, because there's still that love for him there. So yeah, I like Josh said, I think that they would all sort of look to like, let's help Ronaldo to be the best that he can be in the last few years. And they would be so thankful that he actually came back. One of the few players that say, hey, I'm going to come back to Portugal and actually does so, basically. He played 25 senior games for Sporting in one season, 2002-2003. Um, just looked it up. Just thought, oh, it's interesting. I think maybe to just to, to, to sum up this conversation, I find it really interesting I mean, the end is obviously near, right? Um, if for Cristiano Ronaldo's career, he's never going to reach the heights that he's once reached. And um, I think everyone but Cristiano Ronaldo knows that. I think what's interesting now, is he able to recognize that himself at some point? Or is it going to be like Diego Maradona, who goes from one club to another and becomes almost like a parody of himself? Um, finishing is hard ending a career is difficult and we've seen so many players not being good at it right is that what's looming here I mean it's tough I, I still think he could do a job in the Portuguese league um, but I, I get what you mean bouncing around just but he's like he's thirty seven. I mean, he keeps his body in tremendous shape. And I, I like to imagine if he went to Sporting for January, he could probably play another year and a half to two years and a half there. I don't mm. think he'd be a crazy burden. And, and Adrian, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, or, or let me know you guys what you think. But it's not like Sporting is killing it this year either. It's, I think it would be different if Sporting, because like they had an incredible season. I think it was two seasons ago. Um, they're looking to maybe like they're going to be struggling getting into the knockout stage of the Champions League. They're not probably going to go on to win the league this year. So it's not like he's going to just completely disrupt a really good winning formula. He'd be joining up with a side that's underachieving a little bit right now and, and could kind of kind of go from there. But I, I don't know. I, I Like I said before the podcast, I don't see a club that's just like, yes, this is it. This is the one. This is where Ronaldo should go. They need him. The only one that kind of comes to mind is sporting for the reasons, but yeah. I don't know. Like Adrian, is that kind of, does that kind of like ring any bells? Like when it, like, you know what I mean? Like sporting's not like going for a league title. They're not like 11, 0 and one right now. Like they're, they're not doing great. So it's not like he could come in and destroy the, a really good winning presence. No, absolutely not. Sporting have been um, struggling a little bit for various reasons this season, you know, whether it's injuries or players that are completely out of form or what have you. There's been a lot of talk from, you know, Ruben Amarim saying we need Mm -hmm. to go back to playing youth players and giving those players a chance because some of the senior players, it's not working. So, you know, maybe Ronaldo would be a good influence on them and helping them not 
completely. I don't know. That's the thing. Because like I said, the only reason why I could actually see that happening at any club, uh, sorry, at sporting in particular over any other club is because there is sort of that cult of Ronaldo that exists there. So the players would look up to him. They grew up idolizing him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe all of that could play into sporting doing better and him helping turn things around. But mm. there's no guarantee of it. Um I don't know. I think I think Josh's point is ultimately true. I can't see him going in and completely disrupting things unless we had a similar situation where Ruben Amarim, an up and coming, very talented and very sought after manager, sort of stamps his foot down and says, no, you do not fit my play style. As Eric Ten Hag has said, you will yeah. get your opportunities when I think that it fits the team's needs. And then it could be another situation. But the only thing that, like I keep saying, that could potentially avoid that situation is that cult of Ronaldo, is that it's a Portuguese club, is that he came through that club, etc. They would feel indebted to him for coming back. Mm. Off to MLS he goes, to be continued. <laughs> I think we're going to probably have this discussion a few more times on the show. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of Tactical Yanks, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to? Because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Raycon Earbuds have three sound profiles so you can have a personalized listening experience, as well as an awareness mode where you can hear the world around you. Whether you're doing the most intense exercise or just sitting around, Raycon Earbuds are perfect for you. Go to buyraycon.com slash tbpn today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash tbpn to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash tbpn. But boys, to be continued too. And you probably heard it in the background. Yes, I clicked at a on a video on Twitter and it made a noise. Sorry, I, I'm a term mistake. Should have muted it. But... Also, the video is worth it because it is Davies to Musiala and then Magic in the German Cup. Whew. We're going to see this for a long time, right, Josh? For a long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I'm playing with here, these uh, Real Madrid rumors that uh, they are looking at Alfonso Davies. I'm looking at buying a Lamborghini. It's not happening anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah, I mean, the, the, the rumors, I mean, I just, I just did a video on it. I mean, there's no evidence, there's no reason for buying or sell, there's no re reason to even suggest that Davies wants to leave. Uh, but I do think it's, it's interesting. And I mean, Mandel, you kind of mentioned it when we talked last, but like, I don't really see like a ton of rumors surrounding Davies. Like, at least I haven't over the, his time at Bayern. He's quickly had this incredible rise being one of the best left backs in the world. And I don't, you know, like I don't really see these reports coming in being like this club, this club, this club. And I always expected that it'd be the Premier League sides. Like imagine him like joining up with City, who's got tremendous amounts of money. But like, I don't know, like unless correct me if you think I'm wrong. I, just, I haven't heard a lot of rumors. So I think it's kind of in, intriguing hearing that, you know, Madrid, Barca are, are keeping tabs on him because, you know, why wouldn't they? Barca too? Yeah, how with what money? I know, I know. You got, you got to ask. But at the same time, I just looked at the list of players. It's like you think they, they got Lewandowski, Kessie, Christensen, Alonso. Blah, like you know, the list goes on and on. Resigned Dembele. 
what money where you're right what money but how do they continue to to pull off but no i mean there did you see what i tweeted earlier today about the uh about the what is it the golden boy awards that two out of the three now belong to goldman sachs as collateral (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is just it's just cruel how how jamal it's not cruel like they're spending money they don't have yeah. What's cruel is that they are allowed to do it. Oh, I mean, what's cruel is the fact that Musal, <laughs> Jamal Musala did not win it. Yeah, in, well, in my eyes, like whatever. I digress, but uh, yeah, not, I mean, he doesn't have a Spanish last name. <laughs> These awards are like no, there's there's evidence on this. They um, studies have shown obviously that you know the, um, there's a, there's definitely a name bias baked into these award shows. So which is why you get a Gavi over a Bellingham or a Gavi over. Musiala, which is like a Czech last name, right? Um, so yeah, this is also another reason why I don't pay much attention to these awards. But um, to stick with with these, um, what's actually what we wanted to discuss is that Davis Musiala connection, guys, is really turning into something quite special, and um, that of course makes you wonder, right, <laughs> about about whether those two are ever going to leave. Or anytime soon, because they, they seem to have a really close connection off the field as well. They they spend a ton of time together. There's always uh, pictures of them um, at the basketball games. Bayern Munich have a basketball team, right? That's quite successful as well. So you wonder almost like this is probably a link up we're going to see for a very long time. Yeah, I don't see I don't I don't see Davies leaving anytime soon. And like like we talked, but there's no no reason for him. Uh, his contract and I think Manuel he, he said it, it goes to twenty twenty five. Yeah, if you imagine, I mean, especially with the World Cup and how good Bayern market their their team, they're gonna want Davies to be a focal point. Considering you know World Cups in his backyard, mm. but yeah, they're they're so good together, and you see like the love too. I love like I love when teammates are are great friends on and off the pitch. And had, Davies had a nice tweet saying, you know, they they might have robbed you, but they're never gonna rob you from your basically your future Ballon d'Or. So. Uh, they're going to be probably ripping it up for a long time and then the Bundesliga, I don't think there's any getting around that. Um, but I'm curious to see, Manuel, I think I think one of the, I mean, it's a continuous conversation among like Canadian fans. Do you think there's ever a time or a timeline of when you can see potentially Davies maybe shifting up the pitch a little bit more? I mean, he already plays as, a, as, as an attacking, as a fullback, as you can imagine. But do you think there's ever going to be a time where maybe a player moves on like a Coleman or a Gnabry and, and they look to promote internally, or do you think he's going to be playing that attacking fullback for, for the future? Yeah, I think he's going to probably play that role for, for a very long time because it, the, the thing with two of Bayern is that you can actually play like an attacking left back role, right? Um, because they, they shift so high up the field and um, playing him there also means that you kind of kind of get away with it defensively as well because he's so fast that he can make up for his um, sometimes lack of defensive positional play by just being incredibly fast. So I I can't see them shifting anytime soon. I think what I guess what I can see is that um, like Hoffenheim play a three one two uh, two. Two formation or three formation. Um, so with like the left back Angelino being really high up the field, almost to an extent that he is like almost like a winger, right? Playing with um an actual winger right off him. And I could see them doing something like that um on occasion. But I think the position that he's playing now is the position that you're gonna get with him for a long time. Having said that, like I remember for for the White Cows when he played almost like a number 10 or like almost like as a second striker with Kai Kamara. Um, so, you know, I mean, the only the, the fact that he's playing there for Bayern doesn't mean he's going to play there for the national team as well. What do you think, Adrian? Well, I actually had a, a similar question to Josh's, but slightly different. If you were to look at the wingers that are currently playing in his sort of position or in his more advanced position, let's say, mm-hmm. that he plays for, for Canada... Where do you think that he ranks as a winger within this Bayern squad? Whoa, that's a good question. I mean, they're also different, right? Because um, you got on the left. Let me just pull it up before I say something stupid, because I tend to do that sometimes. So if you hear me typing. That's me typing and looking at the squad. 
Um, yeah, I, I so among the wingers, um, and we're talking only left wingers here, right? So he has Leroy Sané there, and he has Sadio Mane there. Who Sadio Mane hasn't been really that good. Um, highly controversial take. Came below before Premier League tax, I think. Uh, Sané has been sneakily good. I think that he's he's a player who can uh, who has shown this year. Uh, in particular, that he is quite worth like, worth a lot for this team. Musiala can play there, but doesn't really, right? So there isn't really many players in front of him, um, especially when Sané is out. Mané also sometimes plays as a second number nine, right? So, yeah, you could play him there, but then who's playing left back? That's, I guess, sort of the question that is, one stopping him from playing as an attacker and two stopping him from, you know, looking past whether he even wants to leave Bayern, which he obviously doesn't stopping him from, or Bayern from allowing him to leave, right. As who then will take on that left back position. And it's such a, it's such a difficult position to find worthy replacements for right now, because they have become such a, such an important part of not just in defense, but the attack of so many teams. Like you said, he gets so far up the pitch. Like it's, we're getting used to seeing Alfonso Davies as a left back taking on men in the opposing team's corner and beating them on the byline, you know, like it's, he's basically playing as a winger, as you guys were saying, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see someone play. Like I'm trying to think of other players that play one position for their club and then such a vastly different position for their national team as well. Not vastly different, but a different Mm. position for their national team as well. There's plenty of them out there, I'm sure. I think that Alaba for Austria was sort of doing that same sort of scenario, wasn't he? Yeah, no, Alaba Alaba is a really good example. Alaba, of course, also the player Davies replaced, right? Alaba moved to centre-back, being previously a left-back. Uh, then moved to centre-back because um, Bayern didn't have enough fit centre-backs and it turned out to be an excellent centre-back. But that was only possible because whenever, uh, early on in, in Davies's career, when he wasn't as astute in his defensive play, he still isn't a perfect defensive, defensive player, but like as I said, he's so fast he can make up for it. Um, Alaba would sort of shift to the left and cover for, for Davies, right? And then after two years, he was kind of ready and then Alaba moved on to Real Madrid. Um, and Davies has sort of taken the role. I mean, the other other player that can play left back in Bayern squad is Lucas Hernandez. So I guess that's the, the only other player. If Davies has to move further up, then Hernandez would play there. But Hernandez isn't as dynamic and fast. Um, so you you completely shift the way you're playing. Um, so I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But guys, should we talk about the other Canadian who's writing headlines? Who would be? Who would be Josh? I think you did a video on this guy. He's pretty good. Jonathan David? Is that yeah, Jonathan guys, David. That guy you're talking about? Yeah, he's a good player. He is. And I'm just going to give you guys a list of names or clubs because... I think it's without saying that there's probably a decent chance that a January move could happen considering he is mm. lighting up league on this season. He is knock on wood. He's becoming more of a consistent striker. That's been two big issues with him over the past two seasons. Scored a ton of goals, but he's gone on a lot of really cold streaks. Mm. Right now, he looks kind of like the real deal. Lille aren't playing European football. World Cup's coming up. Come on, it all leads up to that potential January transfer. And these are just some of the names I've heard. Again, I'm not going to source where they came from. Take them with a grain of salt. Doesn't mean anything. But some of the clubs that have been going out there, I'd say the most serious one is probably Chelsea. Uh, There were some Everton links, which don't interest me at all. Then there was also some Real Madrid links, even some Bayern links, and of course United out there. Uh, So I guess, Adrian, we'll kind of start with you. Any of those names maybe ring a bell for you? Or is there another club out there that you'd potentially want to see him go? Um, any of them that ring a bell? Can you run through them one more time for me? I'm going to ask you to repeat the repeat the clubs. Okay, all right. A game show host here. All right, yep. so we got we got Chelsea. Uh, we have Everton and United from the Premier League, and then we have, and again, I don't know how serious these ones are. They're they're kind of looming around, but there's Real Madrid and then there's Bayern. Chelsea. Did you mention Chelsea? Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, Chelsea's yeah. the first one. Chelsea would be a good one, and honestly. 
Manchester United under Eric Ten Hag now seems far more appetizing than previously. That's for sure. Um, because they are sort of looking for someone like as good as Rashford has been in everything, but his finishing has been good. Basically he's been really fast. He's been, you know, drawing opponents. He's been good at passing, but it's just the finishing. So to have someone more central, they were hoping that Martial would stay healthy because he showed signs of, you know, he scored a brace against Manchester city when they were already in the dumpster, basically, unfortunately, but he scored some goals in Europa league as well. They just can't, they can't rely on him to stay healthy. So I think that Manchester Mm. United is a team that probably should consider going for Jonathan David, but they have said that the supporters should not expect them to do an outlay of cash as they did last summer. I think they spent like 200 million or something like that. So I don't know that they would go for Jonathan David, depending, of course, the the big question here, which has always been the big question, is what Lille would actually accept for Jonathan David. Because I think that Oseman cost, what was it, like 70-something million? For I, Napoli? I just read a recent report that said the number is 60 million euros. Okay. I mean, that's a little bit more appetizing and understandable for some teams. Too um, much. It, it is a lot. It's still a lot, but it's sort of the, it, you know, the transfer market doesn't make sense anymore. Um, no, Chelsea is all- the other one that I think is is a good idea because unfortunately Kai Havertz hasn't really played out. Armando Broja is starting to get opportunities for Chelsea and has looked decent at times. Aubameyang, it's not really longevity there, so... I could see Potter being interested in Jonathan oh, David man. as well, but not Maybe Everton. I did spend two hundred and forty million euros. Yeah, that's and you can see why their their board is saying don't expect that again, fellas. No, <laughs> well, imagine they cut costs with Ronaldo walking out to uh, to a different club. You know, could, that's yeah, that's that's interesting. Right, of the ones you mentioned, just as long as he doesn't end up at Everton, that would be so underwhelming. So here, why I think here's why I think that Chelsea might be an issue is because I think they might be bringing back Romelu Lukaku. I, I mean, there's a potential. I, again, uh, these reports are just kind of what I'm reading. I, I, I read that right now it looks like they want to extend a loan deal for the, for next season. And then they want to try to, to sell him. So I'm not sure. Mm. I mean, you probably have a better insight. Those are just some of the reports that I've read literally over the last couple of days, but I mean, Lukaku's been a disaster at Chelsea every single time he's stayed at that club. I don't think how going to Inter, even he's not even playing overly well, and then going back to Chelsea would be a good deal. But I, I agree that I don't know if Chelsea is still the answer. I mean, I, I still think under Graham Potter, it makes it a little bit more appetizing. But, you know, there's that there's still that persona around Chelsea. That this is where strikers go to die. Like, they're, they're, they're the number nine curse. Someone wants to wear that jersey. I mean... They have Aubameyang, Broja, like you guys mentioned. They still have the uncertainty of Lukaku. Um, I think David would be a fit, but I mean, out of those options for me personally, I think United probably makes the most sense. I mean, it terrified me before Eric Ten Hag started steering the ship. Mm. And if they can shift Ronaldo out, get get some money together, and then this is a club that has money. There's no, you know, can't get around that. I think that it would make sense. I think that it it could potentially fit up front. Uh, It would allow Rashford to maybe move to the wing or at least Mm. rotate around. Um, other than that, I mean, Manuel, a lot of Canadians would love, love him to join Bayern to uh, link up with Davies. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Is there a possibility ever? Would it be have to be like a summer move, or do you think there's a different profile of striker that Bayern would eventually be looking to bring in? So, like, uh, yeah, so Chelsea is I find interesting, but they spent two hundred eighty-one point nine nine million euros on new players um, under Boli, the greatest sporting director of all time. Uh, Bayern, man. So I did have an interesting conversation about Jonathan David with an insider of the transfer business um, asking me what I was thinking about Jonathan David and his future. Um, And... The how I'm, how I'm gonna approach this. Um, basically, the the story here is that he is very expensive, which makes it very difficult to to transfer him. Um, and this is not just the fee that Lil commands, but also all the other stuff that's going on here, right? Um, and a lot of teams in the past have gotten burned from spending lots of money on players that have done well in league. Oh, um, 
and then move to one of the other leagues where their scoring output is a lot less. Um, Josh is writing in the chat, Pepe. Yeah, that's a good example. Um, I mean, Victor Osiman is the one that has done well, right? In Serie A. But <sighs> here's the thing with Bayern Munich to, to maybe transition it to that. Um, they are looking at a number nine. I think they have been linked with all sorts of players, uh, Flaovic, um, Turam is one. I wrote an article on him this week. Um, trying to think of some other ones that they have been linked to. Kane. But <laughs> Kane well, that's I was going to go to that eventually. And I think the number nine conversation by, by at Bayern Munich really comes down to them being able to sign the biggest prize of them all. And with with um and Victor Oseman is actually another one. Thanks for putting them in the chat. He's also been linked to Bayern. But um Kane is the price that they are aiming for. And it's not necessarily that they need him. I think it's for them, it's almost like, oh, look, we can do it. It's almost like a Real Madrid move, if that makes sense, right? It's not necessarily about them needing Harry Kane because I don't think they do. And Harry Kane is not as good as Robert Lewandowski. I think this is a well-established fact. This is Bayern Munich saying, we can go to Tottenham. We can wrestle him off him. We can go to a Premier League team and take the best player. I think this is really what Harry Kane is about. And I almost wonder if they can't get Harry Kane if they're going to sign a number nine at all. Right? Like it's it might be one of those Harry Kane or nothing. And then they're just going to play Matisse Tell, who remember they paid 20 million euros for this kid. And then there's Chubu Moting, who's all of a sudden been on fire. It's been excellent. Right. I actually had someone just point out to me on Twitter that he was a big part of that goal that we all um that we all over the Musiala Davies combination, right? Um Chupumuting played a big role in that goal as well and scored twice himself. So I don't know, it's a tricky one. Like I a Bayern going to spend sixty million euros on an unproven goal scorer from League R. I don't think so. So I'm going to go down a, a small rabbit hole because like, I've, I follow Jonathan David since his time in, in Belgium. He's one of my favorite players. I just obviously being Canadian attacker, it just, I, I idolized the way that he, he took his career path and which is why I'm very, very picky of where I want to see him go. The Premier League scares me. I mean, like there's clubs like AC Milan who interest me for him to go. I don't know if they could afford, obviously the price tag. I mean, with Zlatan and Olivier Giroud, um, I have my question marks around Chelsea and United, not only for the fact that, you know, I want to see him go in there and be successful. I have, I'm skeptical to think that he could potentially even walk into the club, that mm-hmm. he can start right away. Like, I don't want to see David move on from Lille to a bigger club just to sit on the bench. I've seen it a lot recently with Canadians making these types of moves. Some have worked out like Stefan Eustachio, who's been patient. Some have not with Kyle Lahren. But something that in the back of my mind, I'm like, where's a safe middle ground move for a club that can afford that type of price that needs that position and can maybe play in a system what about and this is where the rabbit hole goes what about if maybe next summer he stays on at, at leo finishes his season harry mm-hmm. kane does move to bayern is there not an opening then at tottenham they 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 play in a system that can kind of use a two striker system they can play in a, in a one would that would that ever maybe be an option? Is that a good enough move for Jonathan David in a in a year's time uh, going to a club like Tottenham after miss, after them losing out to Harry Kane? To doesn't even have to be to Bayern. It could be you know maybe to Chelsea. They've been small rumors about that, but they lose out on Harry Kane. Could Jonathan David be a fit there? If I'm Jonathan David, I uh, the thing is with Tottenham. Yeah, the thing is with Tottenham <laughs> right now is just there's so much. There's so many question marks either over whether Antonio Conte would be there, who's going to come in after him. It just feels like it would be a move where he would go to a club that would be a little bit unstable at that time. Um, you know, losing Harry Kane, that's another huge blow to Tottenham's, a lot of Tottenham's success in general. So I think that having to be the one to fill in the shoes of Harry Kane and at a club that potentially is scrambling to find a manager once again, like a couple summers ago when they went through, what was it like seven or eight candidates that passed on, on actually signing up with Tottenham. So I, if I'm Jonathan David, I don't really like that move. 
Um, but if Antonio Conte is still there and they're still on you know a decent trajectory, then maybe I would consider it. Hmm. It's, it's it's interesting. Like I mean, it, I mean, he could be replacing Son potentially. I agree. You guys make I mean, you made great points about Tottenham. I'm just again, I I just I find it very difficult to find like the perfect scenario, whether it's moving in January midseason, waiting a year, where's he going to play? Where's he going to develop? Where's he going to get better? Who can afford him? Like there's a lot of question marks around yeah. this transfer, which is why I think it hasn't happened yet. But let's, before we move on, Manuel, I'll throw the hosting back to you. Let's, let's all pick, pick one. I what pick, let's pick one club that we think that would be the one. So like whether, like for me, whether this it's is genuine, pure speculation, though. Pure, like. pure speculation. Pure Does, speculation. This pure, is like fantasy yeah. football. Like, or don't quote exactly. us. We're Canadians, so where would we want to see him go? Where Where would you guys like to see him and where he would have the best opportunity maybe to succeed? Um, Manuel, you start. No, you start. It's you your want me to I, okay, I'll start. Now, I don't know if this is the perfect club, but I think it's an opportunity where he would fit in his style. It would. It would. would. He would fit in in terms of kind of playing off a striker, which I think he can do really well in. I like, I like Juve. Uh, I don't like the situation going on at Juve, but I mm. think that this is a, a big club. I think that they will have the resources to kind of bounce back, whether it's Allegri, whether it's not. But imagine him playing up front in the two-striker system alongside like a Vlaovic. Like, I, I think that he would start. It would be a step up from Lille. It would be Champions League football. And for me, and I'm going off the importance of simply walking into a team and hopefully starting and impacting, not riding the bench. AC Milan's my other bet, but I, I would kind of like to see him head to, head to Serie A. I'm just not convinced with like, the lone striker move better. I don't know. I could, t- I could talk myself out either or, but Juve AC Milan would probably be where I'd like to see him go. Hmm. Adrian. Um, I think the other Milan side is interesting in a sense, because he would have that two striker, you know, playing with alongside Lotaro Martinez or something like that. Lotaro and Jonathan David together would be interesting, but I think I I'm going to stick with Manchester United just because I like what Eric Ten Hag is doing. I think that he suits their system and he would be playing alongside a bunch of young, quick players, Sancho, Rashford. He'd have Bruno Fernandes behind him. I think that that attack could be quite tasty and he would definitely get a lot of uh, opportunities to score what playing under them. So I think that, you know, I, again, I wouldn't have said this a year ago <laughs> at all, but I just I'm a big Eric Ten Hag believer, so I think that him playing underneath him could be quite interesting, and I think he'd be a success there. I'm going to go with RB Leipzig. Here's why: because they're going to sell Nkunku to Chelsea, and they're going to take that money and sign Jonathan David. Manuel, I, like I love it. I love the answer. I did a video on that a while ago, saying that I would like him in the Bundesliga, but I just didn't think that Dortmund or uh, or Bayern could do it. I thought the only other club that could afford him was Leipzig, but Leipzig could do it. I, I like that. I think that that would be a perfect move for him. I, I love it. I love it. I just didn't think it was possible. I mean, you have a nice inside information on, well, inside information, but a good understanding of kind of like the financials around the Bundesliga. And I don't know. I, I would, I would not complain about that at all. With, uh, up front next year. That's my, my take on this. I, I like it. You surprised me, Manuel. I, I really didn't know where you're going to go with yours, but I I like that a lot. If it was possible, I would 100% like to see that move happen. The, the reason I'm thinking is because like the person that contacted me was uh, someone who works in the German game. And while admitting the saying that um, there are, is a belief that moving Jonathan David is extremely difficult, no matter to which club, because of the finances it commands, this person is deeply connected in the German game, and uh, which makes me think that there's something afoot. So, it's an educated guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that wraps up that. Do you guys want to briefly check on MLS, or are we going to leave this open? Uh, do we all want to talk about how Filippo jinxed the LA Galaxy yesterday? Who's Here's maybe a way that we can segue this into a nice ending. Adrian, is your city going to host the MLS Cup final? I would like to believe so. I mean, New York City FC looked a little bit scary in their in their match. Um, yeah, they're good. They look really, really good, don't they? And they have the pedigree now. They definitely yeah. have the pedigree now. 
Um, but then again, Montreal looked quite in control in that match against uh, Orlando. I mean, they're playing at home once again. They play some nice stuff against teams when, you know, especially when teams don't just sit back the entire time. It's a lot easier to carve out opportunities, but they're yeah. able to do so. Great performances once again from everyone you'd expect. Ismail Kone looking really, really good for Montreal. Um I think that playing at Saputo, if this was if this match was at the baseball field, I would feel differently. But playing at Saputo with the way that the crowd reacts to these sort of pressure situations and just how behind the team the entire city gets. I tried to get tickets to this match as well, sold out immediately. Almost wow. immediately. So there's a real buzz, and I think that the players are feeling it. I think that Nancy has been incredible with the way that he's not only you know set up the team and the tactics etc but the way that he's sort of coach of the season involved there you go and the way that he's been speaking after the games to the media and everything it just seems very much in control and everything's going right Mihailovic is back and playing well I think that Montreal definitely has a very good chance Hmm. Uh, I have to clarify here Montreal need to beat New York City at home right and then need to beat Philadelphia Union on the road and then hope that uh, Austin or Dallas beat LAFC in the other conference final for them to host the MLS Cup final. Uh, at the moment, Montreal are third in line to host the final. So the only team with a higher point total, well, the 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 only other team that can reach the final with a higher point total, other than Philadelphia Union, of course, um, is LAFC. So, yeah, if they reach the final and LAFC don't reach the final, Montreal would host the cup. Uh, that's not a bad chance, I would say. Not the first time that the final has been hosted in Canada, of course. Toronto has hosted it, right? But it'd be the first time Montreal would host it. Um be exciting i'm going to the final this year i mean it i would rather go to la in the warm but montreal is nice right adrian montreal's great montreal is great i would show you around uh you know you would have to your suitcase would be heavier obviously because you'd have to wear a, a thicker jacket but you know montreal has a lot of perks as well um I, I can't say that the weather is as good as la but the certainly the food scene and the nightlife is great yeah, so you'd enjoy it. Like and you'd get scene. to hang out with me that's a True. huge pull so we're pulling for montreal right josh yeah it's about a, it's about a five to six hour drive i could i could make the journey down there if, there you especially go. if we're all going together i mean how fun would that be first meet up at the at the final watching cf montreal we, we, we did, all we all agree montreal is canada's team now right yeah, and I told T like there's that debate on Twitter, and I feel like I had a great solution. It's like if you're a TFC fan and you really don't want to see CF Montreal win, then just hope they go to the final. That way, your Canadian players that I'm assuming you're going to be cheering for come uh, World Cup time will play as much competitive football and playoff atmosphere as possible. And then guess what? You get to watch CF Montreal lose in the final. What's what? What more would would you want? You don't um, want that. You don't want your key players to lose a final before a World Cup tournament. That's, you know, that's also true. But I personally want them to play. As I want them to go to the final. I want them to win yeah. it. And I want to see the confidence ooze to those five players that I think will all play a decent role for Canada come World Cup time. I mean, that's, that's actually a really good point. Um, the World Cup squads, the preliminary squads have been uh, submitted to FIFA today. A lot of countries chose not to publish them. Fair enough. Um, you have to put fifty up to fifty players on the list, right? At least thirty-five up to fifty. Canada is, hasn't released them yet. Germany hasn't released them. I think some countries did, like the Netherlands, because Louis van Gaal just doesn't give an s. Um, but yeah, I think you want your Canadian players to play as many meaningful minutes as possible leading up to the World Cup, and this is a really good way of doing it. And if you have what what is it, four or five guys, Josh? Top of my head. On, on CF Montreal, there's five. Yeah, five, right? So you have five guys potentially having won a title going to the World Cup. I mean, that's... Who, who doesn't want to take that? By the way, if you want to build your World Cup squad, speaking of the World Cup squad, and I've seen it around going around uh, Twitter, and thanks for reminding me, Josh, and thanks for promoting it as well. Um, that helps a lot. You can build your own World Cup squad on Transfermarkt. Um, I have tweeted it out. Josh, you have it in your video, right? Yeah, I created uh, just I, for fun an MLS 
Canadian camp. So you can create any kind of club you, or any squad yeah. you want, but I haven't done my World Cup one yet. Yeah. And then I think, uh, Adrian, I've seen someone do the Portugal squad. You've commented on that. Right. Yeah, but they did basically a a meme squad with all either like players that are terrible or players that have, you know, underachieved, etc. So, you know, guys like Andre Almeida, Jedson, who's gone from Benfica to Tottenham to Besiktas, that kind of thing. But yeah, I've seen some some good ones as well, so, you know, some serious ones. And it's it's difficult, you know. Yeah. It's really, really difficult to to finalize that squad. It's fun to sort of jump into the the managerial side of things and try and make those hard decisions about players. So yeah, I've been jo- yeah. enjoying it a lot. It is fun and you can go back and edit it. Like um, I think I've some, I've seen comments saying that, Oh, once you squat, you do your squat is final. No, you can actually go back and edit it um, and you can play around with it. And I love it. We've done it now a few times um, for the European championships. And I think for the last world cup, but obviously Twitter has become so much bigger and with Canada and US being there, it seems to be getting a lot more traction as well. Um, this side of the pond, which is fun, but yeah, you can pick any of the 32 countries, build your own world cup squad, share it. I'm really curious to see what people come up with. Like I did my Germany team and I included Hanni Muchter and Niklas Füllkrug. And um, I think a lot of people uh, thought it was funny that I included Hanni Muchter, but I said on current form, right? Like I'm probably going to do one, a little bit closer to the tournament um, again. Um, Stefan and I planning to do one on Gegenpressing um, as well. So where we go a little bit more in depth on the squad, but that is my squad f- at this very moment. And that's the beauty of it, right? Like it is based on current form, which is also what my Canada team was. And that's probably going to change. I don't know what you guys think, but we're going to probably have moments f- from now until almost leading... November 15th, I think, is when the final squads have to be released or to November 8th, um, where we're going to make some switches because based on what we're going to see either in the MLS Cup playoffs and league play in Europe, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, on your Hany Mukhtar take, I mean, how much more confident would you have felt if Nashville went on to win MLS Cup and he was riding a high going into yeah. the World Cup on incredible form? Now he's done. His football is over October 21st. So does that hurt his case? Same yeah, thing you said for the, for the Canadian ones. Like, I'm just yeah. using an example of Raheem Edwards. I know that LA just got, like the Galaxy just got knocked out. But if he, if he, he's a player looking on the outside and they would have went on to win the cup, same could be said. This is a player that was starting at left back. It was a really tough position to break in. But if he had an incredible little tournament there, maybe he could have got John Herman's attention. But those are just a couple examples to maybe like make your squad look a little bit different come the actual selection time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I feel for national team coaches. Also, I thought like 26 spots is a lot. I still run out of spots. How about you, Adrian? Uh, well, in Portugal's case, I can say that it's getting a lot easier with all of the injuries and players out of form. <laughs> it's, it's, that's something that we, we should definitely talk about because people are starting to make lists of all the players that are unavailable for this upcoming World Cup due to the condensed schedule. Not in mm. this episode, perhaps, but in another one. We'll have to go through all the players that are missing out thanks to this yeah. condensed schedule, unfortunately. Um, so it has become a little bit easier in Portugal's case. Um, but yeah, for other teams like like a Germany, for example... Um, it's got to be tough, and it's it's easy if you support Italy, right? Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, Italians here. Thank God. Um, <laughs> final take on this: Yes, we need to do a show on injuries um, leading up to the World Cup. I'm not actually certain it's more than usual. You, I mean, you might be right. You might be right. I think that's it's worth looking into. Um, yeah, yeah. And we can maybe uh, we can look back at some of the other big misses from previous editions of the World Cup and see if there is a lot. You know, I, I don't know how we'd sort of attack. I've this, seen it. But. I've seen that take out there, but I, I every World Cup has key players missing, like every single one that I remember. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that the insinuation that I saw from this thread on Twitter was that there's just a higher concentration of big players missing. But um, yeah, it's something that we'll have to dive into we'll for another episode. On what, it's because Germany yeah. hasn't lost a big one yet, and we usually lose one or two before the tournament. Every single tournament that I remember, we lost a key player before the tournament. Who for uh, 2018? Marco um, Royce? Or was he there? No, he Royce was there, but um, Neuer was actually injured for that tournament. He played, but he was not fit. 
we lost Royce in 2014. We lost Balak in 2010. Uh, we lost Deisler in 2006. Um, trying to think, there was one in 2018 as well, but it just doesn't come to mind at the moment. But, Balak in 2010. He's the most cursed player of all time, yeah. that guy. My God. Yeah. But I think I cannot remember a World Cup where we did not lose a key player beforehand. So maybe it's just Germany being cursed and like my memory is like, oh, here's another World Cup where we lost another key player. <laughs> so, yeah, not sure. But we have to maybe look into it. It'd be good, a good one to look into. So we should probably do that. Maybe in one of the upcoming episodes. Um, I'll see if I can ask our database guys to maybe run a comparison. Um, that'd be interesting too. All right, guys, we're, this is a long episode, so we should probably wrap it up. This has been fun. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Please leave a review if you can, if you enjoy the show. If you're still listening to it after, I don't know, what a year that we've been doing it, then congrats. You stuck with it. Um, we'll be back next week with another show. Until then, cheers and bye-bye. Bye. -bye.